Welcome to the New Little Life Podcast. My name is Allison. I'm a lactation consultant, a breast pump expert, and a mom of three little boys. Here on the podcast, we talk with real moms and experts about breastfeeding and pumping. This podcast is designed to help you feel supported by other moms who are doing exactly what you're doing, to get tips and tricks on breastfeeding, and learn how to efficiently navigate pumping while going back to work. All right, welcome back to the New Little Life podcast. I'm so happy that you're still here with us. We are well into season two now, and we've been talking with a lot of moms who are combining breastfeeding and pumping. And as we know, this is not always an easy thing to do. And breastfeeding at the breast and pumping are really two different skill sets. So I'm excited to talk with our guest today, um, who has some really, really good experience pumping and has done a lot. She's got her little baby here with us today, um, who's I think seven months. Is he seven months old, you mm -hmm. said? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's exciting. So you might hear him squeaking in and we love that too. So our guest today is Anna. She is a wife and mother of three and co-owner of three businesses with her husband, Randy, a safety consulting firm, a photography studio, and a firearms training business. She has a bachelor's degree in psychology and is a certified firearms instructor. And before becoming a business owner, she spent 10 years working with adults and children with developmental disabilities. So welcome to the podcast, Anna. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, you have such an interesting background and we were chatting a little bit before we started recording how we had some similarities there as well. I'm from Idaho, so firearms are not a new thing to me and <laughs> I enjoy um, taking classes and learning there too. So this is gonna be really fun because I feel like you have some interesting life scenarios and I would love to hear how you navigated breastfeeding and pumping in some of these things. So why don't you take us back to the beginning and start at the beginning and tell us a little bit about your first and what that experience was like, what struggles you had. Just start there. All right. Well, um, my first pregnancy, I really wanted to do everything as naturally as possible. I was all diving in deep to um, researching how to have an unmedicated birth and all of that kind of thing. And I my family has all been breastfeeders. So I had family and friends that had breastfed. I kind of thought, you know, as long as I was sort of aware of how things should be done, it would be easy because that's how it had seemed for all of my family and friends. So I did read like half of a book, <laughs> which looking back, I wish I would have done more preparation on breastfeeding with how things turned out. But I did have my un unmedicated birth. Everything went smoothly. And so I thought, well, here, it's going to be smooth from here on out. We're just going to you know, put baby to the breast and everything's going to be great. Well, um, it wasn't so great, but I was had a hard time figuring that out. Um, come to find out he wasn't transferring effectively at the breast. And I, you know, they told me he's supposed to have so many diapers a day. And so I called back to the hospital, like on the third day when he didn't have um, enough dirty diapers. And they were like, well, it could be normal, you know, just keep watching him. Took him to the pediatrician hadn't gained enough weight, but you know, it could be okay. Just keep latching. So it was kind of like that for three weeks until I finally made an appointment with a lactation consultant and went in to see her in person. And she turned out to be amazing and wonderful. Um, so she looked at the baby, looked at what was going on, put her finger in his mouth. And she was like, he cannot get enough milk. He's not getting enough milk. His weight gain is not good. Um, you know, and so I'm, I feel like I'm like, having to take all of this in what things aren't going well 
I put baby at the breast. It's supposed to be easy. So she basically told me I would have to start pumping eight to 12 times a day to bring in a supply because the baby hadn't been removing enough milk. My body didn't know to make enough. So I was just like completely overwhelmed. Um, took him to the doctor. The doctor said he needed formula that very day. He said, don't go home, go straight to the store and get formula. So I'm like really devastated and overwhelmed. So I went home, had to figure out how to hook up my pump. I had not, you know, taken it out of the box. I had to like figure out how to start pumping, keeping a baby calm while I'm pumping all these times every day. The first full day that I pumped, um, almost pretty much exclusively, I got 12 ounces, which is, I hope your listeners, if they're breastfeeding, no, that's not nearly enough. Not um, day. Nope. <laughs> at three weeks, you should be getting probably 24 ounces in a day. Yeah. So we were supplementing with about half formula. Thankfully, the baby took a bottle fine. So we started bottle feeding um, mostly. And I just kept pumping and pumping and pumping and power pumping. And um, eventually I saw those numbers creep up. I was getting, you know, 16 ounces in a 24 hour period and then 20 ounces. And then finally, um, around 11 weeks, I was getting enough that I didn't have to use formula. In the middle of that, we got my baby assessed for ties and he did have ties revised at five weeks. That was as soon as we could get him in um, with the doctor. So we had that and then he couldn't even latch as well as he had been latching because <laughs> he had to like relearn. Relearn everything. It's also everything. Different. Yeah. So we did um, we did like nipple shields and um, SNS trying to get him back to the breast. Um, it was a lot. Uh, and thankfully, I had such a wonderful lactation consultant that was able to help me like she was the one that said listen you're not going to be able to latch the baby all the time and pump all the time and take care of him all the time like you're going to have to prioritize and right now you need a supply so you're going to have to prioritize pumping to get your supply in so i just kept going back to her like whenever i would get overwhelmed i would just go back and then i was headed back to work at 12 weeks i remember the office called me i had 12 weeks of fmla coverage for my job I'm sure many of your listeners yep, have that. That's about right. Um, in the US for sure. They called me. I was in the parking lot of the, uh, we did oral mo motor therapy. I don't know if I mentioned that um, after the tongue tie release to yeah. try to retrain his mouth. So we were seeing a speech therapist for oral motor therapy, I think weekly. I was in the parking lot heading into our appointment and the job called me and was like, so you're going to have to come back next Wednesday or you're losing your job. And I was like, I'll see you on Wednesday. <laughs> you know, okay, I'm not, I'm not coming this. back in a second before I need to, but I will see you. I'm not losing my job. So I went back to work. I, I saw the lactation consultant before I went back to work. Cause that's the whole thing to figure out. Like I've it been is. doing this pumping around the clock, taking care of the baby around the clock. Now I'm going to be like leaving milk and you know, pumping milk and storing it and like just so many logistics to figure out. So I met with her and she was amazing, like helped me come up with a plan. Um, she suggested since I had an office with a door um, that I try to shoot for four pumps a day at work. And that way I would only have to do like three or four at home based on how things were going. So that would make it more manageable for me to, you know, come home and do the whole after work routine and manage all the pumping. She also said at that point that um, 
we were doing the weighted feeds and all of that. He was transferring well enough that I didn't have to pump overnight because my supply was to a point that it was in and he was doing, you know, a little bit better with transferring. So that was a huge relief. Like heading back to work, I wasn't waking up because I had been waking up every three hours yeah. overnight and then, you know, bottle feeding in the night. It was a lot. So I went back to work and it actually went better than expected with her help. You know, I just think about anyone that's listening to these type of podcasts or looking into your program. If you don't have that support, it's just so overwhelming to navigate everything. It's a lot. And it sounds like you went through, well, a lot in the first 12 weeks. And then you're right. It, you barely get your feet under you and then you're expected to go back to work and now manage all of those things you were managing at home with your baby on maternity leave at work and now your baby's at childcare and you're it's the logistics alone are just it's a lot it's a lot so i think you're right having that support someone that can walk you through it and kind of help you along so you don't have to reinvent the wheel at every single step i think is really important hearing you describe triple feeding is what they call it when you're right. feeding at the breast and bottle feeding and pumping. That is exhausting. And I'm so glad that your lactation consultant told you um, as early as, you know, three to five weeks, this is not sustainable. So we got to pick and choose here and like readjust our goals while we figure this out. I think that was really kind and really important of her to tell you that so that you weren't triple feeding for ever like that is exhausting so yes please tell us how you managed to do all of that yeah and i essentially triple fed you know doing all three of those things for over 18 months but i had to make it doable like it i didn't triple feed in the way that you think about you're nursing at the breast every feed and then pumping and then bottle feeding every single feed i had to you know trim that back and make it manageable but i had four sets of pump parts um because that way I didn't have, I only had to wash once a day yes. with using the fridge hack, which at the time the lactation consultant was able to tell me to do that. I know now there's, you know, CDC recommendations, but that wasn't an issue at the time. She told me. CDC recommendations also aren't super clear on that. So, I mean, <laughs> as a lactation consultant, I usually just provide the information and let moms choose. If you have a healthy baby and they're over three months and things are going okay and you feel comfortable with that, I usually leave it up to the moms. You know, I get that. Well, I'm glad because it's the only way I could have possibly made it work. This is, that's the thing. What you just said right there, sometimes it's the only way we can make this work. And if you're comfortable with the risks, which are honestly minimal, um, they are there, we can't ignore that. But if mm -hmm. the mother's comfortable with that and this is how they have to do it to make it work, I don't, no judgment for me, so. So I used, I had four sets. I had a Spectra S1 um, and I had four sets of pump parts. I would use the sanitized cycle on my dishwasher once a day with all the parts in there. So that made that easier. I, um, at first, once they told me to pump around the clock, I was like still trying to bottle feed sort of on demand, but I had to scrap that. When I wake up, I'm going to wake the baby up and get some milk in him too. Okay. Um, because that way we were only waking up every three hours instead of totally, you know, on on a good night if he would if he would sleep in between feeds. So that helped. Um, she helped me figure out how to sleep while I was pumping. If the baby was sleeping, you just like put pillows around you. And um, my if your pump doesn't have an auto shut off, I don't know if there are any that don't don't do that. But 
the specter shuts off at 30 minutes so you don't have to worry that you're just gonna fall asleep and just keep being pumped i know now there's the willow that suck that like yeah, but most people don't lay down. So it's interesting to hear how you manage that. So just kind of like propped up and pumping and just dozing off mm -hmm. while you're doing that. Awesome. I love it. Some, totally uh, quite up. a few pumps actually don't have the auto shut off. So just check your pump and see if it does. Um, but a lot of them do. And I really like that feature too. So then, especially if you want to pump while you're working or sleeping or whatever, you can just let it go and know it'll mm -hmm. shut off. And you're like, okay, I'm done. So that's awesome. Did you like your Spectre one? pump wall. i did um and i i'm actually still using it this time i got a willow go with my insurance this time just to see if that would help like with yeah. the different businesses that i'm doing this time to be able to move around but i haven't used it as much as i would like to um but i i have hooked it up a couple of times and i like it but i do like the spectra s1 we had hurricane harvey in my area when my baby was like eight weeks old last time and so being able to just charge it in the car for a while every day when we lost power and then have it run on battery was amazing. So I, that's the kind of stuff you don't think about until it's there and you got to deal with it, but you're right. They have the little, um, like cigarette lighter adapter or even like us, do they have USB adapters for the Spectra one? But what an awesome idea. Yeah. And I was able to move around a little bit, you know, it's still, it's not like a portable pump, but you can pick it up and move. You don't have to be attached to a wall. So that's what I did when I was at home to manage all of the pumping. Um, oh, I propped the baby up in a boppy to feed him his bottles um, while I was pumping. So to kind of that triple feeding cycle can get so long that you're basically doing nothing else. Yes. So the more you can like combine things during a triple feeding situation, the more you can have a break to change diapers and like, you know, everything else that has to happen. Shower or like. Right. yourself oh my gosh yeah that's a really good idea finding a way to feed a baby while you're pumping um so that you can just do it at the same time yeah and also then he was less likely to just be wailing the whole time which is yeah. not conducive to getting a letdown if your baby is just screaming and you can't make them stop just being like all stressed out about that yeah. oh i did a lot of like um figuring out what would get a bigger letdown um like deep breathing and like i had calming music playing and like I was doing everything I could do I was like visualizing waterfalls of milk and warm um compresses um come to find out I did have the wrong flange size which probably was the reason I kept getting clogged ducts while I was pumping and even having low supply I was getting clogged ducts but um I was never measured with my first experience and so this time I was measured and I was using a 24 last time and they measured me at 15 this time. So, so common. Like, and I think we're getting, I used the, the 24 that it came with too. And I went back to work with my first like eight years ago because there was just no education and like milk came out. So I thought it was fine. Mm -hmm. um, way better. Like it makes a huge difference. Did you notice a huge difference when you switched down to a smaller size? Yes. Yeah. And I knew I wasn't like it came with a 24 and a 28. I knew I wasn't a 28. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm a 24. I didn't know there was like all these million sizes. So then when I went back to work, I like I said, I had an office with the door. I was working like a traditional eight to five. I was an administrator at a company that worked with people with disabilities. So I, I had the office with the door when I was in office, but I also did travel for meetings and, you know, to meet with clients sometimes and stuff like that within a three county area. So like, you know, up to an hour and a half away during the day so when i first went back i think they kind of didn't really have me scheduled to go 
that many places they kind of knew I needed to ease back in. But um, I did quite a bit throughout the time that I stayed at that job, traveling, you know, kind of most of my workday sometimes. So um, regardless, I had a little cooler that I was able to fit a really large, really cold ice pack in. And so if I was in the office, I would just keep that cooler in my office and it kept things as cold as the fridge. Um, it's like a really like an eight by 11 okay. cold pack, yeah, okay. like a really big. And it's like, according to the marketing, it's, you know, colder than whatever. Cool. I don't know if that's true, but it seemed to work. My baby was fine <laughs> on the milk. So I kept that with me. I had like a pump bag with everything in it, like um, a couple of sets of pump parts for the day. Um, I had a hand pump that I honestly was never able to make work. But just being so reliant on pumping the first time, I wanted to have something like if a part broke or, you know, the pump wouldn't work. I actually, my dog chewed through my charging cord during the hurricane um, to the Spectra. And thankfully, my husband has like an electronics repair kit and he was able to repair it. But that was back in the day that there was no Spectres in Target or anything like that. So I had to like order from the Spectra website a new so I kind of got scared about, you know, if this pump can't get the milk out, I need a way to. So I had a hand pump with me all the time. Um, but I just had that cooler. I would um, put some of the milk into bottles just to be ready to go for the nanny. And then um, if I, for whatever reason, had more, I had bags, um, like bags and Sharpies, like I had everything in my pump bag. And then if I went out um, to travel around, uh, I just used the same set up with the cooler. Uh, if I couldn't find a place to pump wherever I was, I would pump in my car. I had, um, for the office and for the car, I had one of those covers that is like easy to see through with the, the wire at the top. So you can like, like like I've seen those for breastfeeding covers. Yeah. It's a breastfeeding cover, Cool, but I liked that it was like, had that wire so I could see the parts being hooked up. So I, I had a lot of women and mothers that worked for me. So I just would let them come into my office while I was pumping if they were close coworkers. Um, So I had that cover so that I wasn't completely exposed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I listened to your recent episode with the lady with the clothes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about like what I did. I did get a whole new wardrobe, but I didn't have as formal of a job. I had like business casual. So I had just a bunch of like um, sort of flowy tops and then... um, pants that honestly that first year that like were bigger than my normal size so i got a whole new wardrobe um just of like i didn't have to wear dresses i just wore you know tops and bottoms which makes it easier i use I the button-up tops can help too if you need yeah, more, like formal but even like i remember postpartum wearing the pants that like went all the way up you know just mm-hmm. to kind of keep in the mom tummy anyway mm-hmm. so that actually made it really easy to like lift a shirt because my stomach was covered by my pants <laughs> So, you know, I remember, I think I wore my maternity pants for like quite a while after, you know, like the stretchy ones, even postpartum uh-huh. because it would I did that for a while so too. far up. Yeah. You know, instead of doing that, like two shirt method, which can sometimes be bulky, but it works too, you know, so. And I'm in Texas. It can be hot. Yeah. You don't <laughs> so. want to wear two shirts in Texas. Oh my gosh. There's just so many logistics that come with being a working parent and, Um, were you always able to keep a good pumping schedule, especially with such a varying job when you were traveling and going about, like, how did you make sure that you stayed on your schedule to get your milk out? 
Yeah. So I had a schedule, like an ideal schedule to get those four pumps in during my work day. I would pump usually right when I got to the office. I Everybody knew I wasn't that much of a morning person. So 8 a.m., unless it was like really important that I'd be in a meeting at 8 a.m., people kind of let me ease into my work day and like, you know, check emails or do whatever quiet work I could do in my office. So I typically would pump right when I got to the office to get that first one in. And I would wake up and nurse the baby and pump like a couple of hours before that. So I have time to get ready. So it was pretty good timing anyway. And then, um, you know, I had a schedule that was my ideal, you know, I would pump a couple of hours after that. And then a couple of hours after that. So like eight, 10, one and three, I think were what I liked to do, but I couldn't always do that. So I would just make sure to get those four pumps in. Like if I had to be in a meeting from 10 to 12, I would know I could try to get another pump in at 9.30 right before the meeting or, you know, stack the pumps. Like I just always had them on my schedule for the day. Yeah. Did you put it on your schedule or was it just kind of like in your brain, this is when I'm going to be pumping? I think when I first went back, I sort of blocked them out on my schedule, but then as I got into the groove, it was more in my brain. And I remember the first meeting that I was in going back to work that ran long. And at that time, you know, engorgement is still more of a thing. Um, I was like feeling so full, like what's going to happen? Should I try to leave this meeting or, you know, it was an important meeting, should I say? And so I had to navigate all of that. But I had decided I was so committed to breastfeeding after I felt like I had done so much work, you know, during those first 12 weeks, pumping around the clock and all of this, that I wasn't going to give it up. So I was just completely committed, like, you know, there was no question if I was going to continue pumping. And on that note, I noticed that you pumped like through 18 months. I think it's really common, especially for working moms to kind of hit that one year mark. And they're like, I'm done with this. What made you want to keep going past that one year mark? Well, my baby still wasn't really transferring that well. So I kind of felt like I had to keep pumping to keep my supply to be able to give him milk. And I really wanted to be with him, I didn't really want to be at my eight to five because um, I was just so excited to be a mom. I wanted to, you know, I was missing him all day, every day. So it felt like a way that I could still like give him my milk. And I liked the immune benefits. You know, he was able to get better from illness quicker being on my milk. And I was just afraid that I wouldn't be able to keep nursing if I quit pumping, which may or may not have been true. I don't know. Um, I did continue to nurse for quite a while after, but I know my supply dwindled down after that, which could have just been natural, you know, yeah. weaning age. It is too. But I think, I think that surprised me the first time, especially that I remember that I had a baby, like he didn't know it was his 12, his 12 month, his one year old birthday and nothing really changed in our breastfeeding relationship because he turned <laughs> one. So I remember thinking the same thing, like this doesn't really feel like the time to just stop what I'm doing. So I guess I'll keep mm -hmm. going. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, nothing special happens on that day. And right. for a lot of moms, I think they get there and they're like, well, now what do I do? Like I was only planning to get to this point. And I, I think like you, some moms are like, well, this is working for me. I'm just going to keep going until it doesn't, you know? Yeah. And I ended up quitting. I uh, was able to leave my job to start working on these businesses that I'm working with now with my husband. And um, so that changed. I was home with the baby trying to pump all these times a day, which was even harder than trying to I was going to say, that sounds harder at a job. Than pumping at work. 
And then I just, my pump response and my supply were going down so much that I, it was, it got to a point where I'm being way too stubborn. Like I'm pumping to get a half an ounce, which is like really silly. Sure. That's normal too. Like your supply goes down as they start eating more solid foods. And Mm -hmm. I mean, but it is hard to see that number go down, especially when you worked so hard to get it up. I find that a lot of moms do struggle a little mentally with that natural weaning process, just watching those numbers go down and down. Um, It's just just hard to watch, even though we know it's normal. We know this is like part of the process. Um, Was that true for you as well? Was that a little bit hard to just watch them go down and down? Definitely. Totally. I had worked so hard to get the milk in. Then it was like, why is it going down? When did you notice uh, 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 it start to dip off? Do you remember? Uh, I think after a year. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Did you, so did you have, were you making just enough milk for your baby once you got it up after that, like 11 weeks of hard work in the beginning? Yes. Or were you making, I had like one day by the time I took my first day back at the office, I had one day in the freezer. Yeah. And then it was all this stress of like trying to explain, we had, um, my older stepson was staying with us at the time and he was able to take care of the baby a couple of days a week. And then we had a nanny the other days and my husband worked from home. So it was nice that someone was able to be there kind of watching the childcare. So um, being stressed out about them doing like pace feeding and like I would work so hard to pump and come back and they'd be like, I fed him 17 ounces during the day. I'm like, what? Why did you feed him 17 ounces? So where you had the benefit of of knowing how much they take. I think sometimes when, I mean, it sounds like you were a lot bottle feeding at that point. So you kind of knew how much he took in a bottle and knew what to expect and could even teach the nanny, which is great. Um, when you're feeding more at the breast and then jumping into that transition back to work and bottle feeding, that can be a really hard part for people because, you know, the, the child care provider feeds them 17 ounces while you're gone. And you're like, See, I don't know. I don't like, know. That might be yeah. normal. I don't like, I believe you that they were hungry, you know, but feeding from a bottle is really different than feeding from the breast and babies really do need to be taught how to take in an appropriate amount of milk. You know, it's always mm-hmm. that balance between we don't want to starve our babies. We also don't want to overfeed our babies, which when you're bottle feeding, you have to manage that. Yeah. And I didn't realize, cause I was so grateful that we were able to latch at all, you know, after we did the revision and we weren't able to latch and then we you know, got to the point where we were able to latch and have that part of the relationship. I was so grateful for that. I didn't really realize until I had this baby that I have now, seven month old, um, how much I was really more of an exclusive pumper. And that was my mindset because going into this experience, I really wanted to be able to nurse at the breast more. I wanted to, you know, do whatever I could to help him be able to transfer. And so I, I pumped, um, right off the bat, just to make sure in case he wasn't transferring that my supply came in. Okay. Because I knew from my previous experience, it was way harder to build a supply at three weeks than it would have been had I started right away. So I started pumping on day one, um, just after the feeds, I was getting the colostrum um, and giving some of that by syringe. But he did great. He was, you know, nursing at the breast and gaining weight and having the right amount of diapers and everything was going great. And it was such a mindset shift to be feeding at the breast, not knowing how much he was getting. I did get a scale last time 
uh, at the advice of my lactation consultant, it's accurate within a half an ounce. So it's not like what you'll get at an IBCLC's office, but it's enough to kind of see, are they gaining weight, you know, over time? So I was kind of obsessively trying to do weighted feeds with him at home and like see if I could count up how many ounces he was getting. But it's it's just really different when the baby is nursing at the breast and doing well. Yes. It's a completely different mindset. You're right. It's it's totally different. And I think a lot of moms struggle with this, especially when they've been feeding at the breast on maternity leave and then go back. And now you have to see the numbers in the pump. And for one, you don't know what's normal or what to expect. And then two, you're not really, the pump isn't really managing your milk supply and neither really is the baby anymore too. They're like both doing it, which can be mm -hmm. really overwhelming because now you have two variables in this whole milk supply. When you're feeding at the breast and baby's growing well, you don't really have to think about the numbers, right? As long as mm -hmm. I'm eating enough during the, enough times during the day, they're having wet diapers, great. And then all of a sudden when you go to bottle feeding, now there's all these numbers and you don't. We can't, like you said, it's really hard to measure what they take in while they're feeding at the breast. And so how mm -hmm. do we translate that to bottle feeding? Um, and I loved what you said. It really is a different mindset. Feed, you know, feeding at the breast and pumping and bottle feeding are, they're, I know they're both feeding the baby, but they really are two very different skill sets. Mm -hmm. And I did have a little bit of that experience when I like around 11 weeks, my supply was up with my first. Mm -hmm. um, and then I went back to work at 12 weeks. And also at that time, we were doing weighted feeds every week because I was going to this yeah. oral motor therapy. So we were able to see he was transferring like less than a quarter ounce, less than a quarter ounce, less than a quarter ounce. And then at 11 weeks, he trans transferred two ounces in a feed, wow. which was like cause for huge celebration. Amazing. But then I, I had been seeing those pump numbers. I had been, you know, tracking my pumps from that 12 ounces in a 24 hour period to go up to 16 ounces, 20 ounces. And then I was getting, you know, 24, 27. And then when he started transferring better, those numbers went down. Yeah. And it was like, no, I don't know how much am I, paying, you know, what is my supply doing? So I did have a little bit of that, but it's been even more different to have a baby that is feeding exclusively at the breast he's actually refused bottles <laughs> so now i'm about to have to leave him and thankfully he takes a cup now so we're gonna just hope he does okay with the cup go for it yeah. um, but it's even more different and then like how much is left over when i pump a couple of times a day to donate that changes and it, you can really overthink it i think when the baby's doing well and you know it's a lot. It, it's just so and everything you said i know moms will resonate with this because i hear this all the time from moms in my program all of the things you just said like i don't know and watching the numbers go down even though you know why they're going down because baby's taking the milk directly from the breast for some reason is really mentally difficult um it's just there's just so much more that goes into breastfeeding and pumping than just the act of doing it there's so much mental work and challenges that come up for moms and everything you just said i think almost every mom especially in the working environment where they're doing combining both in some way have felt that so you have did you have an oversupply from the beginning with this second one did you kind of create that by pumping on i created it on purpose yeah yeah i i was i wanted to have I would rather err on the side of too much milk this time, just because I knew how hard it was to not have enough. Now, I did see a lactation consultant uh, prenatally, and then at one week she came over, um, which if if your 
listeners have the ability to have a lactation consultant come over in that early postpartum. It was amazing. Oh, helpful. Yeah. And she w- she had to tell me multiple times, you're going to have to stop pumping so many times you're creating a massive oversupply that's going to be really hard to manage. So I was pumping the first day I started pumping like six times a day after feeds. Okay. And then um, I was just assuming that the baby couldn't transfer. So I'm thinking, yeah. well, well a, a really I'm probably not doing enough. Last you know? time. Yeah, it makes sense. Just for our listeners, so, that is too many times to be pumping. Yes. Your baby is feeding well at the breast, but based on your experience last time, I probably would have done the same thing. Like I am not doing that again, where we have no milk, like we yeah. are making this work. And then what did you do? After and that? he was assessed to have ties in the hospital. Oh. And then at that one week, so I was just really totally assuming that he wasn't able to nurse. Game. No, absolutely. <laughs> so I was pumping six times a day. And um, I, I forget exactly how I knew, but I, I'm pretty sure I knew I had a full supply of milk based on him gaining weight, plus how much I was pumping okay. at like a week. So like, we knew that it was, it was trending for a pretty big oversupply. Okay. Um, and so the lactation consultant was like, you're gonna have to cut back to three times a day. And I was like, No, you don't understand. Uh, that's not going to be enough. And she's like, no, really, you're going to have to come back to three times a day. And then if, you know, if you see the baby not gaining enough weight, you can always add another pump in. But right now you're trending to get a massive oversupply that trust me, I've done it to myself. I had a similar experience. It's going to be really hard to manage. So I, I reluctantly listened to her and went down to three times a day and then got scared and went back up to five times a day and then listened to her again and went back down. And then, um, I guess around four weeks, I started getting clogged ducts and I was like, okay, I think maybe she was onto something that like I'm pumping 12 ounces on top of my baby growing, like gaining more weight than necessary. And then I'm pumping 12 ounces. Like we are going to have to try to cut this back. So I'm grateful that I had outside input into that because I would have just kept pumping six times a day and created a massive oversupply. Which is also really exhausting. Aside from dealing with the oversupply, which is honestly not easy to do, um, that's so much time you were putting into milk extraction, <laughs> both feeding the baby and pumping. Oh my word, you know? Yeah, my husband was like, ever since we got home from the hospital, you're either attached to the baby or attached to the pump. <laughs> which you probably were. Oh my goodness. So what did you do at that at that point when you kind of realized, okay, I have enough milk, I can relax a little bit. How, did you readjust your goals on what you wanted or kind of where did you go from there? Um, I was really just waiting for the wheels to fall off with the tongue tie. I was, okay. you know, not sure, sure what sure. to do, but he was gaining well. But I'm like, sure, this is a fluke of just my oversupply that it created. And, you know, we're going to have to make a decision about doing the revision or not. And so I was really agonizing over that and just um, thinking that things were getting worse and worse when Probably I was just stressing looking back. I We had opened our photography studio at the same time. So like a major shift in a lot um, schedules and taking the baby to the studio and then also stressing about breastfeeding mm-hmm. and thinking that it wasn't going well. So his weight gain had been like picture perfect on the curve, like, like exactly. He was just growing right on the exact curve, like 50 percentile. Yeah was his curve and he was exactly on it and he started to you know shift off of that so i'm thinking oh here we go he's not able to transfer anymore um you know what am i going to do and then with my my first experience revising ties things got really worse after so then i'm thinking 
well, this is going to be the end of being able to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. So hopefully people have been there and can understand the craziness of my mind at that time. Um, um, yeah. If anyone who had a baby, yes, they know. <laughs> like, yes, you're just, this is your one job. And like when you think mm-hmm. you're failing or you think that it might not be working, it is absolutely devastating. So there is zero judgment for me. <laughs> on, and I think probably any other mom listening, like you know what it feels like to be in that panic mode and like I just want to do I just want to do what's best for my baby at any cost yeah you know yeah and I, I wanted to make the right decision and I I just wasn't sure what the right decision was and so I ended up deciding not to revise and I just believed that things were getting worse but I was going to make it work I was going to figure out how to supplement you know because I was I had the milk you know if the baby wasn't able to transfer I was going to figure out a way he wasn't taking bottles but I'm like maybe he will or we can get him going on a cup early. Sure. But I just kept doing what I was doing, trying to supplement. He didn't seem to want the supplements and his weight gain just kind of like came back. Like it, it wasn't falling off a cliff. Like I had thought it was just kind of taking a, a dip, which I think if you're obsessing over weight gain and numbers and things, you're going to see more of those natural variations that if you're not that worried or haven't you know, had a reason to be that concerned, you're not going to see that that's what every baby does. They kind of yeah. gain weight at one rate and then they gain weight at a different rate and then they come back and, you know, it's okay. So I ended up just, um, I tried to supplement with bottles and syringes and cups and uh, he didn't seem to want it, but I kept trying. And then I was just watching his weight gain on my scale at home uh, and it was okay. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe we don't need to supplement and things are going okay. It's so interesting because like as a lactation consultant, I, I've seen growth charts of, you know, they do follow the general curve, but almost no baby stays right on the line and some variance is really normal. And so some, like when I was doing that back in the office and, and weighing babies and watching their curve, I, I honestly didn't show the, the growth curves to the parents unless they specifically asked because of what you're describing those those normal variances it can look like they're falling off the growth curve but when we talk about falling off the growth curve me as a professional i mean that they are like it's you you can see it it is like bad you know what i mean you you were growing and now you are not you know not really that like variance between you know 30 percent on either side of what they were doing because you're right they kind of go up and down and kind of come back as long as the overall trend looks right and but I think when you get into that, you know, over analyzing and just I mean, you had reason to your first experience did not go. It was not easy. And it um, your baby wasn't gaining weight well. So I would have done the same thing, to be honest. But I think you make some good points there that kind of obsessing over those numbers and really like watching everything can can make it hard on yourself. And I, I don't know. Did you do you feel like you put a lot of guilt on yourself and. I don't know. What could you have done to make it easier on yourself? Or do you think that that's just what it needed to be for your experience? Yeah, I think I did feel guilty that I didn't know the first time. Like, had I had I known what to what to look for to know that things are not going well? So I think there's a lot of like focus in the breastfeeding community on things probably are going well because there is so much cultural pressure think that, oh, I can't eat the same way when I'm breastfeeding. I can't, you know, I'm probably not going to have enough milk. And those things are not really true. Most, 
most people can breastfeed. And so any of those cultural messages that they can't, or I think the, the breastfeeding community has fought back against those. But to me, I like go to Google and search, um, you know, uh, Kelly mom or whatever. And it's saying the first time, you know, things probably are okay. I call the hotline of lactation consultants. Things could be okay. Um, part of that was probably just my overwhelm, you know, sure. Not having ever done it the first time. Um, but I think just knowing like when you really know that things aren't going well, you can trust that things are going well unless these things happen, unless baby isn't having enough diapers, unless they haven't regained birth weight by a certain, you know, time frame. Had I been more prepared for that, I would have caught it sooner and I could have, you know, started intervening sooner with my first. So I think that it, there was guilt and I wanted to kind of make sure I didn't make the same mistakes the second time, but I kind of wanted to overdrive. Yeah, I think we, I think moms expect that they should be like experts too, like right from the beginning, you know, and there's a reason that we have experts, lactation consultants and pediatricians that are experienced with that, that can help you. Like it's really our job to catch those things, you know? And so it kind of breaks my heart when I hear moms like you say, like, I wish I could have caught it and like fixed it. And honestly, two to three weeks is about the time that we give babies and moms time to figure it out. And we just... Yes. assume it's going well unless it's not um if they haven't regained their birth weight like you said by that two to three week mark and you met with multiple lactation providers and your pediatrician and like you did everything right and they caught it in probably the same time i would have you know like you give it a little time and assume it's going okay mm -hmm. and then it's not a new correct you know and so i just I think really the key is finding support. It sounds like you had an amazing lactation consultant and I honestly want to get her name so I can write her a thank you because I love all of the things that she told you and that she advised for you. And I think for moms finding that person that you click with and that has experience in what you're doing, um, don't be afraid to, to shop around providers. If you see a lactation yeah. consultant and you're just not jiving or it just, you'll know, right? Find another definitely one. i think i i counted up i think i saw five lactation consultants and thankfully that one that i told you was so amazing was the first one that i saw but then having the revision there was lactation consultants in that office that followed up and then the um, oral motor therapy person was an ibclc as well oh cool and um definitely i would i would encourage people to shop around and to me i really needed someone to be encouraging like I didn't just need the facts. I needed encouragement. I needed, you know, advice to make it work in my life because it's one thing to explain, you know, how to pump, how often to pump. It's another to be able to look at a new mom's life and like help her know that she's going to have to prioritize. She's, you know, she, the lactation consultant even went as far as to say, like, why are you cooking? Get a rotisserie chicken. Like, you're going to have to cut things back to make this work. So she's amazing. I've heard people describe her as like part lactation consultant, part therapist, because awesome. you go in and she's able to help you, but also like help you process. There was emotions, you know, I didn't want to be exclusively pumping. That wasn't my, you know, idea of what it was going to be like. So there was emotions to process and um, just finding someone that's really able to help you that you click with is important. 
Yeah. And you, did you have that system set in place before you had your baby with your first? No, I did have a doula with my first birth. Cause I was so wanted to have an unmedicated birth. So yeah. that highly recommend that as well. If there's any pregnant moms. listening, <laughs> I know I used to be a doula um, too. So I have a special place in my heart for that. It's super fun. It's great. Amazing. I ended up having a super fast, like precipitous birth. So, um, I, I didn't have, you know, what I was worried about, like a 12 hour labor, I'm going to need someone to, you know, help me through that. But her being there for the time that she was like during transition was, uh, yeah. you know, priceless. And sometimes those fast births, like you have to process things really quickly and you don't have time to like labor. Like sometimes the fast ones are tricky too, like mentally. Um, Definitely. And just kind of being and like, then what the heck to have been able to talk to her afterwards, yeah. you know, she did postpartum work too. So she came postpartum a couple of times and she was encouraging me to reach out for help with the breastfeeding because she could tell that, you know, I needed help. Um, but I did not have lactation consultants, you know, picked out when I was pregnant. Uh, my hospital was baby friendly though. And so they sent a lactation consultant to the room when I was like, you know, one day postpartum, but that was like a, like a lesson in breastfeeding, like, you know, a general lesson. So they, it was probably too soon for them to know that anything wasn't going well. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was born a little bit early. So they kind of thought that any trouble he was having was just like sleepy 37 week baby. So we had that and that's just who I called back when I was uh, finally wanted to go see somebody. I called back to the hospital and ended up with this amazing um, lactation consultant that does outpatient visits there at the hospital. That's so great. There's a lot of resources for moms looking for IBCLCs to help. There's the hospital you delivered at probably has some on staff. Um, You can also look at your local WIC or um, what's the other word? I had a lady come to me after my first. She wasn't with WIC, but she was like a home... It was not social services either, but it was some kind of services where they just went and visited new moms and she was at IBCLC. That was really nice. You can also Google, you know, lactation consultants near me and look for some private practice ones. If you find one that takes your mm-hmm. insurance, great. Um, some of them charge, you know, you pay out of pocket for them too. Um, most insurances are covering several lactation visits. So call somebody, right? And maybe just have a list of who to call. If you're pregnant, I think just starting with where are my resources if I need them, I think can be a really big help, even if you don't meet with them before, just at least knowing where to go to get some help. Definitely. And it's, did your lactation consultants help you with the pumping as well? Did you find that they knew a little bit about that? Or did you have to figure a lot of that out on your own aside from the schedule? Um, I mean, they knew more than I did because I knew nothing. Uh, but I had to figure out, like, I remember trying to put it together for the first time. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, I think I found like a video maybe from Spectra, how to put it together. Um, that was overwhelming. And then, like I said, I, I never found out that I was using the wrong flange size. Um, yeah. I, I don't remember how I figured out like the, the letdown button and like that kind of like what cycles to put it out. I think. I asked and the lactation consultant was like, well, whatever it defaulted to is probably fine, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so no, I, I wouldn't say that I got, you know, a lot of help with pumping. I you did just... get help with like the practical managing pumping, like um, the fridge hack and like having multiple sets of parts and washing once a day and those kinds of tips, um, you know, being able to sleep while I pump. She helped me with a lot of those kinds of things, but like physically pumping, maybe not so much. 
She oh. definitely encouraged me to massage and that helped a lot oh. when I was trying to build my supply. That's a great idea. I think, you know, sometimes I see like posts on Facebook's or something, you know, where moms are like, somebody help me. Like I can't get milk output unless I'm like massaging and touching the breast the whole time, you know, like, what do I do? And a lot of times I'm like, that's a pretty normal way to pump. Like, you know, mm -hmm. a pump is not a warm, cuddly baby. I mean, so sometimes we just mm -hmm. do need a little bit of extra help there and that can be really normal. I also really like that your lactation consultant really tried to find that balance of science and practical for you. <clears throat> this is what I do a lot inside of my program as well. And one of the things that I really love is looking at the science and then also finding a practical way to make that work for you. And most of the time moms can make their own decisions. You know, there are some practices that are just like straight up unsafe. Right. And we, we tell you, um, but like the fridge hack is a perfect example of science and practical and just understanding how it works and the risks and the benefits. And then if this needs to fit in your life that way, great, you know, sleeping while you're pumping, you know, it's benefits and risks there too. But sometimes that's what we need to do to make things work. And that's one of my favorite things to do as well is kind of figure out how to marry those two things together so that you can hit your goals with the least amount of friction. Definitely. And I seeing so many lactation consultants, I saw ones that leaned more, you know, science only. And I just ended up like really interested in what they were telling me, but less able to, you know, take it in without getting discouraged. So I think that's important for when you're getting support, make sure that it's the type of support that's going to help you reach your goals. That's really what all of us are trying to do is, you know, maybe we have to adjust our goals along the way. Like, you know, it's going to look more like exclusive pumping for me the first time than I wanted, but um, I was still able to reach my goals of nursing my baby with my milk for over a year. You've donated quite a bit of milk this second time around, haven't you? Have you enjoyed that experience? I have really, I was not anticipating how much I would enjoy it. I just ended up, I started pumping this time. And just like I said, I couldn't really make myself stop because I was just so worried that I was going to need to pump to have a supply. So I ended up with more than I needed. And um, I was either going to like have to buy a big freezer and put a bunch of milk in a freezer yeah. or donate it. So I was like, well, I'll see if I can donate some for now and we'll see, you know, what I want to do from there. So I actually was able to get linked with just informal milk donation, which I know, again, benefits and risks. Yeah. Um, but it's been really rewarding to be able to help. Like the first lady that I donated to had a pretty similar experience that I had. She, um, well, worse than I had. She had a, um, like complications post birth that impacted her ability to bring her milk in. But then also her baby wasn't transferring well. And so I was able to give her milk what, during that time period that I needed formula. I was able to give her my milk. And then she she built her supply up to where she didn't need my donations anymore. So I'm now donating to a little baby that was adopted. So he's able oh, to have. that's beautiful. Milk. I love that. What a cool thing to be able to do. Um, and it's interesting to hear how you, I think oversupply kind of gets, I don't know, people are really like very for it or very against it. And I think you're a perfect example of how sometimes it is just what works best for that mother and family and baby. You know what I mean? Do you need all this extra milk? No. And you kind of did it to yourself. But the the situation for you situation. made sense, right? And now you're, you're still pumping on top of breastfeeding and donating milk to other babies. And this works for you. And this is what you like. And so I think really just finding 
piece in if you understand the process make your own choices you know and feel good about it and don't let anyone tell you i mean i am glad that your lactation consultant did tell you to cut back a little bit <laughs> otherwise you would have had just like an overwhelming amount of milk but i'm really happy that you've been able to find the thing that works for you and that makes you most comfortable um even though both of your experiences yes. kind of looked a little bit different than you thought they would yeah and i think it's it's good that I had that outside input to help me so that my oversupply isn't like negatively impacting, you know, the relationship. We aren't having multiple mastitis and we're not having a baby that's like choking on the milk. It's just a little bit extra that I can donate. Um, But you're right. I think that it gets, it gets a bad, like definitely don't bring in an oversupply, you know, it'll be horrible. Or um, I have noticed this time, like I did a bunch of research when I was pregnant this time just to get like, I I definitely don't want to do that again. Um, so I found your videos on pumps and that's how I ended up on the will go. I watched like all your pump reviews, maybe not all of them, but oh, <laughs> a know. bunch of them. Um, but I can see if you were an exclusive pumper, you may not mind having a massive oversupply. And just yeah. if that works for your body, you know, pumping a whole bunch of milk on the front end. So you're right. It's just what works for you. Yeah. I love it. Well, as we kind of wrap up our chat today, is there anything else you would like to share with moms, especially those moms who are either working or combining breastfeeding and pumping? Um, any last tips or advice or just words of encouragement that you'd like to to share with them? You've had some really a vast um, array of experiences, which I think is really cool. And a lot of moms will enjoy hearing you speak about. I hope so. I'm really grateful that you had me on. Um, it's really fulfilling to me to try to give back to other moms. Um, I would say encouragement, uh, definitely get support, get all the support that you need. So if you're trying to navigate whatever your experience looks like and you're struggling, get support, uh, whether it's a program, um, like your program, um, a lactation consultant, a postpartum doula, there's lots of ways that you can get support friends and family. If you, um, know somebody who has a nurse who might be able to give you encouragement. Just always keep looking for support um, because it's not easy. It's not something that is just going to happen without, you know, getting the support that you need. And if it's, if you don't need support, you're probably not listening to this podcast. Um, And then I would say um, for those that are combining breastfeeding and pumping, definitely do not look at the what goes around social media of people pumping, you know, 16 ounces at a time. And, you know, that's not going to be normal to your experience. If you're combining breastfeeding and pumping, it may be if you have a massive oversupply, but most people are not going to be pumping that much. And it's, you can totally feed your baby for a long time without pumping those massive amounts. And, oh, what I, what I learned from my lactation consultant, um, that you're going to have to prioritize if you're going to be working, pumping, breastfeeding, look at how you can make all of that fit, whether that looks like getting some support, whether that looks like cutting back on some area of your life so that you can fit this in. It is really another job to to breastfeed and pump, especially during that first year. So think about ways to, to make it work for you. I actually just talked about this on the previous episode of the podcast with Caitlin, where we talked about um you know, trying to fit all the rocks and the pebbles and the sand into one jar and really just prioritizing, figuring out what's most important to you and how you can make this all fit. Because you're right, 
you know, we listened to, to Anna talk about how she was like triple feeding, especially on her first maternity leave. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you fed the baby and you, you know, pumped six times a day. Or like even with the second one, you have no idea how much time and effort that takes. And not only are you sitting down to feed the baby at the breast, but you're also attached to a pump and you're also cleaning pump parts and bottles and storing milk. It's like, I, I mean, you probably have like 25 minutes extra in your day when you're not doing milk stuff, you know? It's just until you do it, I don't think you realize how exhausting that schedule is. And and I appreciate you sharing your story and experience there. I think it will help other moms, I think at least feel not alone. Like a lot of these feelings and emotions and schedules that you described are very common. And I think just knowing you're not alone and people have gone through this and made it work for them um, can be really helpful. I hope so. I'm really glad that you invited me on. Um, and I hope that my story can encourage people. And I, I just wish that more breastfeeding stories were told. I think there's so many different experiences and I'm really glad that you're letting moms hear these stories on your podcast. That's so great. If you need help with breastfeeding and pumping, um, and specifically in the work life, please let me know. Um, Anna listed off several other resources and I'm not the only resource, but I do think that finding someone who does exactly what you need, if you need help lashing your baby and we're dealing with poor growth and we've got stuff like that, find a local lactation consultant that can help you with that. If you want help with pumping and going back to work and making all of this work combined together, that's exactly what I specialize in. And, you know, I've said this before, but lactation consultants, we don't, they don't get trained on pumping. And I am working hard to fix that. We're coming out with some courses and programs uh, to start training professionals so that more lactation consultants can have pumping experience and be able to help more mothers. Um, but in the meantime, if you're a mom and you need help, please reach out. We have an application process so you can get on a call and talk with a member of my team. We like to make sure that this is actually the support that you need before you make that investment. Because like Anna said, in the early days, she needed someone there, like hands-on with her, looking at that baby, measuring weight and stuff like that. And, and I can't do that virtually, right? And my specialty really is pumping and combining that with breastfeeding. So again, if you want to talk more with me about that, you can find links down below in the show notes. But thank you, Anna, so much for being on with us today. Um, I really, really enjoy talking and getting to know you and hopefully we can speak more soon. I would love that. All right, bye.